It's good to be here. I've been looking forward to this as soon as I was asked. Um, it's good. I got to be honest, the, the thing I'm most excited about is, is coming to the table together. Um, it's been a while, and it's good. I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations for a moment here as we get rolling. You're in a room. It's a busy room. There's lots of computer screens around. You're an air traffic controller at a very large airport. The room's full of that nervous energy, that, that stress, because a lot can go wrong. There's a lot you don't have control over. You don't have any control over, say, a wayward flamingo that might get in the way of a plane. You don't have control over weather patterns, but you have control over where planes are going. You have control over your planes that you're responsible for. And they're showing up as little blips on your screen. And again, that nervous energy is around you. There's, there's someone nearby tapping a pencil. There's someone nearby drumming their fingers on their desk. And one person is nearby, and they're doing that thing with their gum where they blow the bubble, and then they snap it into a, about a billion different little bubbles just over and over. And it's one thing when it's in line behind you at the store, but it's another when you're working and you're trying to concentrate and you're looking at your planes, you're looking at your screen, and all of a sudden, a little piece of information disappears off of one of those planes. And you happen to know that that happens sometimes. And it's not necessarily a moment to, to freak out. But you also know that that plane is descending, and it's going to be in the vicinity of another plane. And that, that information that just went missing is rather important, and so you... You get on the line with the pilots, and we get everything rebooted, and we avoid catastrophe, right? And there's no parades, there's no celebrations, it's just, it's part of your job. Your job is to have your thoughts fixed on something, and lives do hang in the balance. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the type of concentration that is needed in the Christian life. We're going to be taking a look at the book of Hebrews. We're looking at one verse. That's our passage today. It's one, so I'll be done in about seven minutes. Um, and we're going to take a little look at the book of Hebrews and, and where this one verse is set and, and what's going on and why this verse was mentioned. But we are talking about fixing our thoughts on Jesus this morning. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, and that's all of us, if you claim Christ as Savior and Lord, it, it is you, it is me, who share in the heavy, heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. We don't often call Jesus an apostle, but, but what the author of Hebrews has been talking about is messengers. Angels being messengers and Moses being a messenger. And, and in this case, Jesus is our messenger. And we'll get back to that in a second, but he's also our high priest. And what's ultimately being said here is this Jesus 
is the one who comes to us from God and the one who goes to God for us. He's playing both roles. And we are to fix our thoughts on him. Again, a little bit about the setting of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. We really don't. We have no idea who wrote it. About the one person that we know that didn't write it is Paul. It's, it's too different from his other writings. We not only don't know who wrote it, we don't know where they were writing from. We have no idea the geography. It could have been a lot of different places. There's one point where later in the book, the author says, oh, hey, uh, the Italians say hi. Well, so is the author writing from Italy? That's a lot of Italians in that case, right? Or is the author writing from some other part of the world where there just happened to be a lot of Italians? North end of Boston, <laughs> right? Maybe a little early for that, but, uh, but is it like that type of a thing? We, we don't know. We know there were some Italians, though, and all the Italians in the room said amen, right? We don't know where the author was writing to. We don't know the intended audience. We don't know the geography of the intended audience. If you read through the book of Hebrews, it becomes pretty clear they had been through some hard times, but probably not as, as difficult as some of the other churches that have letters written to them. It doesn't sound like anybody had been killed for their faith, but there had been some struggle. But that was a lot of places for the early Christians. We have no idea. What we do know, and what is very clear, is ultimately the theme of Hebrews. And I'm going to spoil it a little bit this morning. It's about Jesus. Um, I just want to say, I've missed you all. I, I, I miss. <laughs> I have. It's about Jesus. And I mean, I know it's in the Bible, so they're all about Jesus ultimately, right? But this one's really, really about Jesus. You see, this audience, this, this church or group of people that's being written to, they've let some other things come before Jesus. And, and maybe you've heard some, some sermons preached on Hebrews before. And maybe you've heard that they have put Moses, let's say, in too high of a place. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think in the book of Hebrews, you, you see the author. And, and actually, there's some people who, actually, who think it's a sermon. They think it's, it's a written account of a sermon. And there's a lot that makes sense about that. But the author is saying, look, you guys, you guys are looking at angels. And Jesus is greater than the angels. And you're looking at Moses. And Jesus is greater than Moses. And the author doesn't do anything to say, hey, you shouldn't look at angels that high. It's you've been looking at Jesus too low. You've let your view of Jesus dip below these other really good things. Because the author goes on to talk about the rest that is promised 
by the covenant of Moses. Right? God brings Israel out of Egypt, makes a covenant with them as a nation, and there is a rest that's offered. Is that a good thing? Yes, absolutely. But Jesus' rest that is promised is greater. And he talks about the high priest of the old covenant. And there's multiple chapters devoted to the high priest and how Jesus is a greater high priest. So it's not that the Hebrews had this, this view of a high priest that was too high. It's that their view of Jesus was too low. And then the covenant that they hold on to in terms of the old covenant. It's not that it's bad. It's not. It's good. It's valuable. It's just not as great as the covenant that Jesus offers. Amen. And throughout the book of Hebrews, you see these encouragements, and and then also you see these warnings. The one we're looking at this morning is more of an encouragement, but in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it it comes across as a warning. We must pay the most careful attention. Very similar, right? Focus your thoughts. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. The Greek word there that's getting translated as drift away, there's no real parallel in English. A couple, a couple pictures that we might look at are, let's say, let's say a ring is slightly too big and, and you're out for a swim and you just feel it just drift away. Or imagine a boat coming up to a dock and strong current and we throw the rope and the person who tries to catch the rope doesn't catch the rope and the boat just drifts away, right? That's kind of the word picture that's being communicated here. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. What are we in danger of drifting away from? If we allow our view of Jesus to be below where it, it, where it should be, mm-hmm. we're in danger of drifting away from Jesus himself as well. And if we're drifting away from Jesus himself, we're drifting away from the life that he offers. If the peace that Jesus offers sounds good to you, And you're drifting away from Jesus, you're drifting away from his peace. You're drifting away from his joy. You're drifting away from his heart. And I don't don't mean to suggest that he loves you any less. And we'll get to that shortly. I'm meaning you are drifting away from the blessings of walking with this Jesus who says, come, follow me. So the warning is real. Don't let your view of Jesus fall below where it should be. Focus your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. When? Always. Always. One of the things about the book of Hebrews, uh, and and it's in some ways a benefit of not knowing who wrote it, not knowing who they wrote it to, we're not in as much danger of twisting context as we are with some other books. 
And so as we take a look at our lives, I, I don't walk around too often and hear too many Christians these days going, hey, you know, Jesus is all right, but have you heard about Moses? Let's, let's talk about Moses for a while, right? Hey, I, I know, the, you know, heaven and, and life eternal with Jesus, that's great, but let's talk about the promised land. Let's talk about the land of milk and honey, right? The things that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, that's not probably what we're going to allow to be above Jesus. Are they good? Absolutely. Are they valuable? Absolutely. Are they our temptation? Not, not mine. Not mine. But what are some good, valuable things in our lives that can get in the way of viewing Jesus and fixing our thoughts on him as the most important aspect of our life? There's some easy ones, right? Relationships. And I'm not meaning to suggest only romantic, but I would certainly include that. Parent-child, sibling, friend, work. It's very easy for us to view people in a, in, in a really good, valuable way. And is there anything wrong with that? No. Unless we allow our view of Jesus to dip below it. And the writer of Hebrews would say, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on Jesus so that you don't drift away. Our finances. Nobody's ever felt stress over finances, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever felt the joy of a blessing when it comes to finances, right? Are finances good and valuable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can we view them in such a way that we allow Jesus to dip below? Absolutely. How about our country? We live in a great country. Is our country good and valuable? Yes. Don't care if you lean right or left. Yes. Yes. Is it possible to view our country in such a way that we allow Jesus to dip below? Yes. What about our churches? Are our churches good and valuable? Amen and amen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is it possible to view our churches in such a way that we allow Jesus, who is the reason we are meeting as a church to begin with, to dip below the way we view the church? I do believe it is. I do believe it's something to be careful of. When the church starts existing, and, and I know I've said this before, but when the church starts existing for itself, it's no longer the church that Jesus called it to be. And it's a sure sign that Jesus is being viewed below the church. That thoughts are not fixed on Jesus. I have another one that, that's maybe a little less obvious. See, if you follow Jesus, you are likely going to be led to some sort of cause. Feeding the hungry. 
Is that a good, valuable cause for a, a Jesus follower to be a part of? Absolutely. Justice issues. Absolutely. Equality issues. Absolutely. Jesus broke a few barriers the way he talked to certain people. Go to the woman at the well in John 4. He, he broke some barriers when he did that. But I do think it is also possible to let the cause that Jesus may have led you to to begin with, the cause that is really good and valuable and Jesus cares deeply about, I think it's possible to start focusing on the cause and letting our view of Jesus dip. And I think there's some markers that will let us know if we've done that. Say, so, okay, so of all the causes ever, is there a greater cause than humanity, the whole of humanity, held captive? And needing a ransom to be paid. I, I, would, I, would, I would suggest this morning that whatever your cause, it's not as big as that cause, right? Humanity held captive, needing a ransom to be paid, and the Bible is telling us this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus had a cause. And it was the salvation of, of humanity. And he showed us how to defeat evil, because it's usually some sort of evil that causes the cause, yes? Jesus showed us how to defeat evil. Some will call it the way of the cross. But when you look at at Jesus, as he's traveling to the cross, there are markers. I'm not suggesting these are the only four, but they're four really big ones. So it's not an exhaustive list. But was Jesus humble on the way to the cross? Absolutely. The fact that he took on human form is a sign of his humility. But the way he treated people He was humble. He was humble even when he was saying, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. He was humble, but he was also truthful because he is the truth and the way and the life. Did Jesus come to be served or did he come to serve? And that picture of Jesus holding up his robes and getting down and washing the feet of the disciples and Peter saying, you're not going to wash my feet. Why? Because this one that they were knowing and celebrating as the king should be served, shouldn't be serving. But Jesus is showing us how to defeat evil. He 
did it through service. And he did it through sacrifice. And so through Jesus' humility, through his truth, through his service, through his sacrifice, as he is brought to the cross, as he's hung on the cross, as he's dying on the cross, as he's saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He is defeating evil. And he's showing us how to do it also. And so if we have a cause, and we're working towards that cause, and we don't see some of these markers, maybe we've let Jesus dip below our cause. And if we're trying to defeat evil with some other sort of evil, there are always repercussions and ripples. So Jesus shows us how to defeat evil. Did he defeat evil? Oh, oh yeah, he did. He frees the human race, and we're told he, he's reconciling all of creation to himself. And this is how he did it. And so if we're involved in a cause, this is how we should do it, right? But again, it's going to that point of fixing your thoughts on Jesus above all. Above anything else, no matter how good, no matter how valuable. Fixing your thoughts on Jesus. There's a hot day at the end of September 2006 in the middle of the Amazon. Two farmers are working in a field and they're building a fence. And as they're laying the bricks down for this fence, they hear thunder. And a lot of people heard this thunder. And everybody thought it was odd because the skies were blue. But as far as we know, these two farmhands were the only two who saw a plane wobbling towards the ground with smoke trailing. And then they heard the impact as 154 people died. It was a situation that maybe, maybe 30 years ago doesn't happen. You see, for most of the history of flight, it would actually be very difficult to even try to get two planes traveling at 30,000 feet to run into each other. In part, some of the instrumentation maybe wasn't ex as exact. But once we started getting more and more exact, if you're flying at 4,000 feet and the other plane is flying at 4,000 feet, you're exactly at 4,000 feet. And what happened on this day is, is a tragedy on multiple levels. There were some technical issues, but they're the type of technical issues that happen sometimes. Maybe not daily, maybe not weekly, Maybe monthly. Some little piece of information drops and that little part has to be rebooted. And it takes a few minutes. But there were at least two people who were supposed to have their thoughts fixed so that this type of thing wouldn't happen. And as records are poured over, as interviews are made, 
it becomes very clear that thoughts were not fixed. And so a smaller plane was off track and wound up clipping the, the wing of this larger plane. They had no idea that they hit another plane until they landed. I'm like, what was that? And then they're seeing this news of, of this other airliner that, that's gone off the grid, right? And they start piecing things together and like, oh my goodness, I, did we just hit a plane? And yes, they did. And it's because thoughts weren't fixed. Hey man, let's go home. Why would, why would I, that's a bummer of a story, right? Why would I tell that? It's because even though we're called to fix our thoughts all the time, we aren't going to do it. Like, I'm really sorry to say, but like, I'm not going to do it. And, and you, you, you're not going to do it. It's, it's not possible for us to do it. We can't. We, we've got this heart in us that still likes what it likes. It sees a list that says humility, and, and there's a part of it that reacts against that. And says, well, I, I don't want to. And there's a, there's a heart in us that sees maybe another list that calls us to forgive people we don't want to forgive. And, and, and there's that, that desire to say, I, well, I don't want to. We aren't going to do it. But we know someone who did. Jesus did. His thoughts were fixed where they were supposed to be fixed the whole time. Unwaveringly fixed. Without fail, from the time of his birth, till the time of his death, for us. He did what we can't do so that we can have this relationship with him. I forgot my throwing keys. If I had them, I would have thrown them just now. Some of you may recall that I like to throw some keys when I get excited. I, I want you to think about that. We can't. We can't fix our thoughts on Jesus 100% of the time, all the time. That's why we need Jesus, right? Because it's just one thing in a long list of other things we're called to do and can't always do and will not always do. But we know the one who did. He didn't just have his thoughts fixed. He, he did everything else that he is supposed to do, that we are supposed to do. And he allowed himself to be hung on a tree that he created for us so that we can have this right relationship with the God who created us and loves us. He says, I know you can't. That's why we're doing this. And so I just want to show you a, a pattern of, of healthy Christianity, of healthy following Jesus. We try. We try to fix our thoughts in this case, Right? okay, I, I know I'm supposed to view Jesus as above and beyond everything else, and I'm supposed to have my thoughts fixed on him all the time. And 
and we fail. Because we can't. And so we confess and we're forgiven because we're promised that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what we're remembering and celebrating here. And we rest in the grace that comes with that because it is God's grace. And, and you'll never guess what happens next. We grow. Right? We grow. And then we do it again. And so we try. And we fail. And maybe we fail more spectacularly than we did the last time. And we confess. And we're forgiven because it's promised. And God's promises stand. And so we rest in that grace and we grow. And we do that pattern again and again and again. And how do we grow? Our hearts start looking more and more like Christ's heart. And so when we're talking 10, 20 years down the road, our efforts, they're stronger than they were. There's less getting in the way. We know what it feels like to forgive when we didn't want to forgive. And, and we know what that does in us. And it, and it causes us to grow even more. And we still fail. And we still rest in God's grace. And it's God's grace that's allowing us to grow in the first place. And so we grow more. And that's just one more reason to keep our thoughts fixed on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we are, we are thankful. We are thankful for you. You lived a perfect, sinless life. You showed us what it is like to be human in the very way that we were created to be human. And you allowed yourself to be hung on a cross and killed so that our sins might be forgiven. individually and collectively so that we might have this right relationship with you, this right relationship with each other. And Lord, we're thankful that we're not praying to the ceiling. We are praying to a risen Jesus. A Jesus who is very much alive right now and very much in our presence right now. We love you. We love serving you. Lord, please help us to keep our thoughts fixed on you. Take our efforts, take our failures, take our dependence on you, and cause us to grow more and more like you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.